This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. Man, here we are for a Wednesday edition. We got plenty to sink our teeth into. College football fans, we got you for the next three hours right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Join the conversation, 694-1055. Hit us up in the app, WNSP.com. I'm Mark. I'm I'm in the uh, studios of WNSP. Triple G's here. Lee Shervanian living it up in Destin where all the SEC football action is taking place. Good morning, Mr. Shervanian, sir. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Nick. Today's agenda is basically closed-door meetings. Uh, there'll be a number of media members who attended yesterday who will kind of, let's say, hang around just in case you can get an athletic director or a football coach or a basketball coach emerge from closed-door sessions. The real stuff occurs tomorrow because the coaches leave today and then the, then the presidents come in tomorrow, and that's when the votes start taking place. So if there's going to be any legislation regarding scheduling or anything else, uh, that would not take place until tomorrow or Friday. Yesterday, Mark, there were, I guess when I got to the um, hotel, there was about seven or eight coaches that were listed on the board to speak. Now, one of them, Shane Beamer, did not show up. So we got to hear from six, and then later on, when I came back to uh, listen to uh, the commissioner, Greg Sankey, uh, we were just kind of upstairs, and then uh, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher, and Lane Kiffin all came out. So we gathered around and and got some comments from them. But all in all, the, the one for the second consecutive year, the one that impressed me the most, mainly because of some of the things he said was the Missouri coach, Eli Drinkowitz. And this is usually, I think, about the only time we ever talk about him, pretty much. <laughs> because otherwise, we don't talk about Missouri football during the season unless Auburn or Alabama are playing against him. But I thought he had some of the, the best lines. And then he, he did have one that backfired on him. I thought Nick Saban was, was very interesting, especially on the first question. And I get this. Nick's very relaxed. It's a very relaxed setting, by the way. Nobody's dressed up or anything, you know, every basically go to school clothes and so the question that's posed to him he and this this is pretty much the way it was said what do you expect to accomplish this week and he really had to dig deep into this and wait a minute he said i'm not accomplishing anything here this is this not my agenda i'm here as one of the the many coaches i i take my marching orders from my wife this week at the lakefront place they have in georgia i i Whatever they say, I do. I said, I don't make the decisions until I get to Tuscaloosa. Then it becomes my agenda. And there was a lot more that was said with Nick having to do with players and NIL and parity and things like that. But uh, specifically, and I know you followed this yesterday too, is there anything that really caught you off guard? Well, nothing that really caught me off guard. I thought it was interesting that uh, so Nick Saban talked about, uh, like many of them did, NIL and, and paying players. And he talked about college athletics kind of not being a business, but it's it's revenue producing, right? In 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 the traditional sense. So he he 
he he went kind of on this little expl uh, explanation and started talking about all these different things, and it kind of rolled into unionizing and making it like the NFL uh, and making it the same for everybody, which, as we've talked about in the past, whether it's paying players, recruiting, uh, postseason, you know, conference scheduling, it's it's it, you can't there you can't have parity in college football. There are too many uh, there are too many different universities with different financial budgets, and so I I often it, it, it dawned on me the reason he he is he wants to quote unquote unionize and make everything kind of the same is because when everybody's playing the same hand, he's better than everybody. When everybody's the same, he's going to have the upper hand. And I think that's ultimately why Nick Saban wants everybody to play by the same rules. If you look back, the only time he didn't have the upper hand is when somebody was one step ahead of him. Hurry up, no huddle. Now, he ultimately caught up and surpassed that, right? But he had to adapt. The NIL, there was a reason a year ago he went after Jimbo Fisher in the, collective, in the collectives because he didn't have the financial means to compete with that. So when, when he talks about parity and wanting to unionize, in my opinion, Lee, he's not talking from a position of strength. He's trying to catch up because all things being equal, he's got the best. He's going to get the best athletes. He and two or three other schools in the entire country are going to get the best athletes as long as everybody's playing by the same rules. So he's never going to be for a rule or a situation where folks with deeper pockets are going to have the upper hand. So when he makes those statements, it's not necessarily, in my opinion, for the best. It's not what's best for the game. It's what's best for his game. It's what's best for his program. I think that is the biggest point I took from Nick Saban. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, I was I listened while he talked about, you know, a business like when he coached at Miami and Wayne Heisenga. And then, of course, he related to the college as we produce money, but it goes back into revenue sports. But and then he did point out that they'll never have the parity with the NFL. And he said, you know, the NFL would just have its greatest day if if uh, all teams were eight and eight entering the last week and everybody had a chance for postseason. He said the gap in college football is going to get wider and wider. And I just remember stuff he said before. I, you know, he may say he's in favor of parity, but, but I, I don't really so much believe it. I think he likes the fact that there is disparity and the fact that his program is at the top, you know, the alpha list with maybe George and a couple of others. I, I don't, I'm not sure he wants parity because, you know, then of course you put yourself in a position, well, well, one week you might win, one week, one week you might lose. And I don't see any of that happening in college football, not the way it's structured now. I think to a degree, Mark, even though coaches didn't really use the term, I think if you pin them down, college football right now, I hate to say it, but it's kind of in a mess. I mean, it really is. You've got situations where you know the the nil you've got uh you know a, a, fam a word used a lot yesterday was tampering tampering with the, the portal uh you've got situations where in california uh they're, they're talking about unionizing and things like that i think to be really fr frank about it and and one or two coaches harped on this 
until you get a true leader, a true leader, somebody, whatever title you want, that says this is the way it's going to be done, college football, I hate to say it, but in, in many respects is in a mess. Okay, but so why do you think Nick Saban wants to unionize? You know, Mark, I have or make no it like the NFL because that's that's I don't buy into that. You know, he, he, when you when you talk unionizing, you're talking about a whole new game. You're talking about the IRS coming in. You're talking about making them employees of the school. You know what was kind of interesting too was um, I think it was Drinkowitz, and I have to reflect and remember. Drink, Drinkowitz was asked something about, um, or maybe it was another coach. You know, you know how you feel about having, you know, fourth-year players, and, and he turned, he said, are you guys crazy? Who stays around three years? Who stays around? Nobody's, he says, the only ones who stick around are the fourth-year walk-ons. Everybody else leaves. They either transfer or go to the NFL or something like that. So, you, what, you're going to unionize, and then the players in two years are gone? I don't see that happening. My, my lifetime. All right, you guys can jump in at 694-1055 and uh, give us your take on Nick Saban. I, I thought there there was the funny moment, Lee, where his cell phone went off, right? Uh, that was great. You know, and when, Mark, when that happened, I started to look around like, was it somebody else's cell phone? And, and then, because... You know, everybody's got cell phones there. Now, mine was being used to record, so I, I, I didn't think it was mine. And, you know, Nick has taught me how to do this. So I, I assume when I'm using it to record, if somebody's calling in, it's not going to go over that. But it was Nick's. That was a very funny moment, and especially when he tried to turn it off, because I can, I can sympathize with that because I've had difficulty with that too. So I guess my question to you guys is, who could have possibly been calling – Nick Saban during his press conference at the SEC spring meetings. It's got to be a family member, right? There's no way somebody that's working for him is calling his cell phone in the midst of his press conference, right? Don't know because he turned it off. He didn't even speak, so we really don't know, and he didn't say anything about it. He didn't say it was Miss Terry or a family member or a recruit or who knows. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's see, and you would think somebody would have been an investigative reporter to find out, but there was no follow up to that. No, that it would have been a great question to be like, who just called, right? Because by the way, was it last year or two years ago? There, Saban has he shared with us his cell phone policy with his players. If the phone goes off in in a meeting, because they're not allowed to take them in there with them. They lose it for the day. If it happens a second time, if there's a second violation, they take the phone for a week. So I'm just curious what the uh, I'm just curious if, if anybody gave him a hard time about the cell phone going off in the press conference. I enjoyed him yesterday. I really did. And of course, this is a relaxed uh, atmosphere. And um, you know, a lot, lot of what I heard from him yesterday, we've we've heard before. I mean, he just you know talked about, as you pointed out. You know, the business and this and that. He's been in the NFL, so he's got an understanding of that. But this thing about unionizing players, I know there's talk about it, and I'm not saying it can't happen, but <laughs> what are we looking at as far as unionizing players? I mean, are they going to are they gonna go on strike if uh, they, they practice too long? If they disagree with the coach, you're going to strike? And, again, you get the, then you get the Internal Revenue Service involved in something like this. So I, I don't see – and, again – in my lifetime, I'm not sure this is going to happen, Mark. I really don't. And do have we lost sight of the fact 
that they are student athletes and, and maybe we have maybe the fact is that we should restart referring to them as you know uh, unionizing and, and and obviously they're they're getting money and maybe maybe they are professionals you know and that's the way people look at it now so there's a lot of directions with this and like i said i'm going back to the original statement i said these coaches without coming out and using the word mess or the game is not so much in trouble, but there are so many issues that have to be dealt with. And they all pointed to the NFL and how organized the NFL is and, and, and what a branding machine it is. But college football really could use a czar. All right, so here's what we got going today. Uh, Jerry Palm's going to join us at 6.30. He'll talk about the eight-game uh, eight versus nine-game SEC schedule. Uh, we'll do some Chick-fil-A in hour number one as well. Mike Griffith is going to join us from Dog Nation. That'll be at around 7.35 or so. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide at 8 o'clock. Of course, we'll visit with Roy Hudson. And Richie Riley, the South Alabama basketball coach, will join us. The NBA Finals are set, and my guess is we'll talk a little golf with Richie as well. We're going to get you started with the scoreboard traffic and weather. You guys can react to Nick Saban and his idea of uh, making everything uh, even, level, parity, whatever word you want to use, unionize. All that when we come back. And uh, Eli Drinkowitz, uh, you heard Lee. Uh, Lee enjoyed him. He did take a misstep. We'll talk about that comment when he was comparing NIL athletes to a um, pediatrician. He had to not necessarily backtrack, but go on Twitter and defend his comment with full context. We'll share all that with you. We're just getting started here. It's a Wednesday edition of the opening kickoff. Mark and Nick in the studios of WNSP. Lee Shervanian in Destin for the SEC Spring Meetings. We're just getting started. Hang with us right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Hey, everybody. This is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Including TV contracts and things that are way beyond my scope of uh, visibility, um, that I'm sure a lot of those things will you know, sort of factor into it, but I, I still am always of the opinion that we should pay all Division I games. You know, I've said this for years. So whether there's 60 teams in the Power Five conferences or 70 teams or however many there are, that uh, it's better for fans, it's better for strength of schedule, that we all play all Power Five you know, games. So however we get to that, uh, I think that's the best thing. I think one of the more difficult things. That's All right, at 622, that's uh, Nick Saban uh, at the podium yesterday during SEC spring meetings in Destin. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Mark and Nick in the studios of WNSP. And, of course, Lee Shervanian from Destin providing the audio. Yeah, and the uh, coverage of SEC spring meetings provided by Urology Associates. You deserve to be an expert hands. Uh, Greer's Marketing Cash Saver. Got that uh, beautiful place down there at St. Louis with the uh, rooftop. People rave about it. Spa and tub manufacturers, your pool and swim spa connection, and also Chick-fil-A. I, I do want to comment on what he said. Uh, I also had a, in another uh, statement something you brought up in the first segment, Mark. Let me get back quickly to Saban, and I want to move to Kirby Smart, and then we want to get to Drinkowitz, see if we can get it all done. You know, Nick was 
to me, backed off when he was asked about do we want nine or eight games. Uh, it was my belief that he favored nine, but he wouldn't go in that direction yesterday. He kind of wavered, as did every coach except Drinkowitz. Drinkowitz was the only one who said, yeah, I favor nine. The others said, well, whatever happens, and they raised all these issues. Uh, well, if we play nine, do we play eight? And they kind of wavered back and forth, and nobody would come out and, and succinctly said, yeah, this is what I want. So Nick, instead of saying, yeah, I want nine, no, he, as you just heard, said, well, as long as we play all power five. So he didn't quite take the stand that I thought he did a couple of weeks ago. But getting back to parity, very quickly, Kirby Smart was asked about the uh, big budget that Georgia has for recruiting. And he said, well, don't believe everything you read, but yes, our budget, we get whatever we want. And that's why I don't think you'll ever have parity, because you think North Texas can come up with the budget to recruit that Georgia does? No. And that, that's why you'll never have parity, because some schools have this enormous budget, and it was documented a couple of weeks ago how much money Georgia spends on recruiting. I think they were tops, and the schools that usually do well are the ones that are high up there because they get the permission from the administration to go spend that kind of money. But schools in Conference USA and the Sun Belt, they can't match that. So there's that. And then we wanted to talk about Drinkowitz, who, again, Mark, I will tell you, for the second straight year was the one, and he was the first of the coaches to speak to us. I thought he had the best lines. Some One of them backfired. I'll let you pick up on that. But some of the lines he had were priceless. So... Uh, by the way, Kirby not saying anything we don't already uh, uh, don't already talk about. So when Saban says everybody should play Division One uh, schools, whether it's sixty or however many he cited, you're basically going. If you did it that way, you would basically kill football and college athletics across the country for any university that isn't in that number. And so I think to some degree that's why you won't ever necessarily see that, or you won't see that anytime soon because. As you know, that those paydays are huge for those schools. Um, and I think that's the bigger point that I think Nick Saban tends to forget about. Now, that because he is one of the uh, major players in college football, it's really not necessarily when we talk about all these different uh, regulations and rules and regulations. It, it's, it's about all the other ones. Like when we talk about Georgia and, and Alabama and Ohio State, they're going to be fine with that. whatever rule you drop or whatever rule you enforce, I think it's everybody else that you have to be concerned about. So when we get information or we get stances from guys like him or Kirby Smart, uh, sometimes I think we're on, we're on cloud nine. To Eli's point, so Eli uh, made the comment that uh, people are making more money in NIL than my brother-in-law, who is a pediatrician who saves lives. And, of course, people automatically – that was the only part of the quote that got thrown out there on social media. And, of course, people are talking about, well, Eli makes more money than pediatricians or, you know, Drinkwitz and college coaches make more than the president of the United States. And so it, it didn't land uh, the way uh, he had hoped. And people really went after Eli Drinkwitz because folks that have money always tend to frown on those that – other people that make money that they don't feel is justified. And we sit here, Lee, and we talk about, well, guys like Drinkowitz or Saban or name your favorite coach are, are, are coaching a game that in the grand scheme of life doesn't mean a whole lot. And they're getting paid a lot of money for it. And so he went back to say, I am no way complaining about player compensation. I'm fully supportive, always has been. And then he linked it to his full context, his full comments. And his, 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 what he meant 
I think to say was that we've been very cavalier with the way that we've been paying these athletes um, and that they're going to be issues and they're going to be side effects. But people picked up on that one little nugget of his statement and ran with it, which is what we do in the media. I mean, I ain't mad. I ain't blaming anybody. I mean, I've done the same thing from time to time. But um, the the point was is that there's there's going to be repercussions when you hand this much money to, to people that aren't used to making that kind of money. Yeah, and he wasn't the only one that brought that out about the – even even Greg Sankey in his comments uh, late la- yesterday uh, pointed out, like when he was coming out of, I guess, college, he was making $17 in construction and thought it was a uh, million dollars. You know, it, it meant everything to him. But in this day and age with some of these athletes and the money they're making, and I understand, you know, Drinkowitz, look, he has this sense of humor uh, above and beyond any of the coaches that spoke yesterday. So he was trying to, you know, be glib and, and maybe, you know, be a little funny on it. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not taking any criticism of him. I, I enjoy listening to him. That, that line about the colonies was priceless as far as I'm concerned, because that told it all uh, at the end when he said, um, you know, when the, as a history teacher, which he was, you know, the 13 colonies uh, got together and unionized to, to beat the British and here we can't decide on either eight or nine games. To me, that was the line of the day. All right, so Jerry Palm is next. By the way, how much did you make in your first job? Hit me up in the app, WNSP.com. I tell you, I made five an hour. I thought I, I thought I made it huge. I was a construction worker one summer. Made five bucks an hour. Thought I was on Easy Street. You tell me, how much have you did you make in your first job? It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Even some of the slightest things, you know, that they may 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 do when it comes to to gambling. But there's a lot of things that we need to educate players on so that they don't get in trouble, uh, as well as staff. And I think it's all very very important. And every time these things come up, we try to make the adaptations that we need to make so that uh, we anticipate what could happen and and try to avoid it. You know, my dad used to always say... 632, Alabama coach Nick Saban again there from SEC uh, spring meetings there in Destin. I'm Mark. I'm in the studios of WNSP and our good friend Lee Shervanian. He's in the thick of it right there in Destin for SEC spring meetings. Gambling was a big issue yesterday uh, to the coaches, and certainly Greg Sankey addressed that uh, quite extensively yesterday uh, as far as dealing with gambling, not that they can come up with a a solution to stop it, but at least to educate is what direction they were talking about. Uh, Coverage of our uh, spring meetings, thanks to uh, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, T. Bachelor and Son Heating and Air Conditioning. They've been in business for 38 years now. Also want to thank the CART Doctor and the Keesler Federal Credit Union. All right, one of the um, hot topics, although yesterday most of the coaches shied away from it, basically said, look, we don't have control over it. It's in the hands of the administration, whether to vote or not was whether to go to nine games or eight games. You know, that was built as the hot topic this week, and there'll probably be nothing done about this until maybe tomorrow when the presidents meet. But they brought up coaches would basically say, well, I don't know all, all how it's going to work out. Maybe it works to this way or not. But one of the things, 
that they were concerned about was, well, let's say if we play a ninth game and let's say our team has three losses and maybe a, a team in another Power Five conference has two, will that affect us when they go to 12 teams? So I thought we'd bring in Jerry Palm from CBS Sports because during the football and college basketball he's the one we go to when it comes to knowing all the intricacies of how this works jerry welcome to the show this morning how are you today all right how are you good so i'm down here in sandestin and i've listened to coaches and you know i really thought when there were at least six coaches football coaches that talked yesterday that they'd have a basically a side they'd take a stand only one did that was drinkowitz with he said he favors the nine. But, again, one of those issues, would it hurt a team in the SEC playing nine games if they lost three as because of, and considering strength of schedule and going up against, let's say, another Power 5 school and another conference that maybe lost only two games? That seemed to be one of the issues that coaches talked about. How would you view that? Would that should that be an issue? How many other conferences are playing only eight conference games? The Big Ten plays nine. The Pac-12 plays nine. ACC probably still plays eight at the moment. Uh, the Big 12 uh, was playing nine um, before they expanded. I imagine that'll still. So I'm, if you're all in the same boat and the SEC is one of the strongest leagues and has a strength schedule advantage, uh, I don't really see how – um, having to play somebody like Tennessee, for example, um, win or lose hurts you uh, versus playing Charleston Southern that nobody's even paying attention to. That's, you know, and that's, uh, you know, those are, those are the games that get sacrificed if we lose out on SEC sabbatical Saturday, the weekend before Thanksgiving, then that to me is a small price to play to, uh, to add uh, a conference game. And um, I really think. I think it's not about competitive advantage, at least. Um, I think it's about the money the home games lost. Uh, it's only a handful, but the home games lost by going to nine conference schedules. Well, nine there's conference another, Jerry, there's another side to this also. Some of the, Like Alabama's coach Nick Saban pointed out, he kind of shied away from saying he's in favor of nine because he pointed out, that Alabama has these home-and-homes with some of these power teams outside. So, And it was also brought to our attention that if the SEC goes to nine games in 2024, there's some 38 to 40 games uh, that would have to be canceled or you know just get rid of uh, with other schools outside the conference so you know there's that also Games that are currently scheduled in the future you mean yeah yes exactly up through like yeah. you know how they schedule them to yeah, like but 2029 not that many each season though that many total you know that's probably like five seasons a game uh, that would have to be uh, adjusted because or maybe uh, there'll be 16 teams so it's probably more like three seasons worth of games that would need to be adjusted for all of these teams because you've probably got already four games scheduled for, you know, two years out and maybe a few, you know, three years out. So, yeah, it's, yeah. So some of the, one of those games would have to get canceled every year. That, that, that is an adjustment, but that's, you know, that's a minor consideration in going to this. So even though Greg Sankey, the commissioner, didn't come out emphatically yesterday, although he kind of alluded it to the other day, he wouldn't, 
they they pressed him on this yesterday. Like, are you favoring nine? Or he said, I I haven't said that. He backs. He's very good at backpedaling and doing it with a, <laughs> a, a nice grin on his face. But my belief is, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. My belief is that Sankey thinking and probably right that the SEC is the most dominant conference, apologies to the Big Ten, should be playing nine if everybody else is playing nine. Why shouldn't the SEC, especially when you have 16 teams in there? And I, I truly believe that's what he wants, that he's been meeting privately yeah. and, and that he wants this because we're the top conference. We should be playing nine games. If you're going to be a 16-team league and you only play eight conference games, then you're not seeing half your league, you know, every year you're not seeing half your league. And even over time, you're, you're going to go years without playing some of the some of the other teams in your conference. And that's just kind of silly. I mean, you may even go a decade without playing, you know, a couple of teams in your conference. That, that's ridiculous. So you need you need a nine-game schedule just to, so you get to see each other every once in a while. Yeah, Kirby Smart. Who who basically came out and said this this is really over the top you know we're we're, we're wasting too much time talking about this that even if you went to eight games and just get rid of rivalries and things like that then you'd see every team what every other year or something like that you know you'd play seven and then seven and oh well, you know, yeah we're not going to get yeah. rid of rivalries you know well, there'll be protected another... rivalries in a in a in a conference schedule eight or nine games doesn't matter. So if if you were the one they came to, you would suggest they go to nine then, right? Yeah, I don't think it hurts them at all. You know, it, it helps their strength of schedule, and, it, and a three-loss SEC team is going to compare favorably with, at least in terms of the strength of their schedule, with a two-loss team uh, from just about any other league. Maybe not the Big Ten, but just about any other league. And the Big Ten is already playing nine games. And everybody else is already, except for the ACC, is playing nine games. I think the ACC still plays eight. I think they so, do too. Yeah. So, hey, what are you hearing uh, about? And then, the they'll be, and then they'll be the ones, you know, wondering if they should be playing nine too. What are you hearing about the Pac-12? Because there's discussions now, or at least reported, that Colorado is looking to maybe, maybe uh, move on to the Big 12 because of this. The TV contracts have not been solidified in the Pac-12. What are you hearing yeah. about the Pac-12? Are they treading on? water now or what well it's yeah it's certainly been a the fact that they can't get this deal done and that it has taken this long to get this deal done cause that's at the very least colorado to lose some patience with it um it would really be tough for and i i know that you know colorado you know utah maybe the arizona schools are all kind of waiting you know to see what they can get done in a tv deal and uh the fact that they they have gone so long without it you know, has maybe Colorado, who has roots in the Big 12. Uh, you know, that they were, you know, Big 8, uh, Big 12 for a long time. Um, that it's, you know, that that school might just say, you know what, forget it. We're not. We're going to go to where we know what we're doing, so that we can move on with our lives. Um, and the problem with that is it might cause other schools to follow. So uh, that that would really be a problem for the Pac-12 if Colorado left especially before they got their deal done. And it also would make it harder to get the deal done. Greg Sankey was asked yesterday about expansion of the SEC, and, of course, he 
put that down immediately and said, no, we're not talking to anybody. And, of course, he was asked, well, is anybody talking to you? And he, he wouldn't really make any kind of comment, you know, what with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. Are you hearing anything, though, about other conferences and teams besides Colorado maybe moving towards another conference? Are we going to see any kind of movement in the next year or two? Uh, I haven't heard anything significant um, other than the Pac-12. You know, are, are some of those schools going to stay or go? Uh, other than that, at least in terms of the major conferences, I haven't heard um, anything uh, about expanding beyond where they are now. So basically, if if you were talking to some of these SEC coaches, you could assure them pretty much, except, you know, there'd be circumstances that, look, if you play a ninth game, it's not going to be really a killer when it comes to picking teams to go into the uh, the the 12. Another point about the 12-team conference, too, would you favor at-large rather than conference winners? No, I think conference winners should uh the automatic qualifiers. I like the way they, they set it up. The reason I asked that, because Sankey was asked about that during the press conference yesterday, and he said he'd have no problems with that large teams. I was a little surprised at that. Uh, he said, look, I, 12, I'm take not, all because large. He'd get probably two more teams in that way. Oh, yeah, I can <laughs> see why he'd feel that way. But, uh, you know, I don't think you can marginalize all of these conferences just because uh, – um, you have two teams dominating college football. That's why it's a 12-team playoff, so that most of the teams capable of getting in get in. Um, you know, it's uh, there's good football being played in a lot of places. It's not quite like it is with baseball, where I think the entire SEC got into the baseball tournament. We'll find out later this week if they do a, a favorable vote. Jerry, many thanks for joining us. We'll be in touch. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank That's you. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports Mark. All right, so what we're going to do here is uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. We're going to give you a shot at some Chick-fil-A. How about that? A little early morning Chick-fil-A, and then we're open for a few segments. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. Apparently, there was a sonic boom last night. One of our listeners mentioned it in the app. Did you guys hear it? I did not. Are we being invaded? Are we under attack? What gives? We'll also get back to the SEC spring meetings. A lot to get to there. Nick Saban, does he want to unionize? I don't know if he wants to unionize, but I can tell you why he made the comments that he made. We'll get to that as well. Wrapping up hour number one next, right here on the sports station, WNSP and online at WNSP.com. Stay with us. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide, and God bless. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 649, here we go. Lee, a little Chick-fil-A for the folks here on a Wednesday edition. Our sponsors for spring meetings in Sandestin, along with Rich's Car Wash with 30 locations in the greater Mobile area, Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters in the greater Mobile area, and also LNS Air Conditioning. Here's your question. The NCAA baseball regionals get underway Friday. Of the 64 teams, there is only one team that has a losing record. Name that team. Call Nick and tell him which team has a losing record 
in the NCAA regionals, which gets underway this coming Friday. And I think it's fair to say that it's not only a losing record, Lee, it's abysmal. It's awful. <laughs> it's it's shocking, and I'll say this, Mark, it is absolutely shocking because the team, at least in my days broadcasting South Alabama, was one of the top programs in the Southeast. I mean, year in and year out, they were a team that was really, really good, and, and we had some knockdown battles with them. I can remember some games in NCAA tournament play. Uh, it When I saw this, I just couldn't believe it and and how they got into the tournament basically they won their postseason tournament uh they went in there and had a as you said abysmal record you're right i mean it's hard to believe that a program of this stature could have a season like this but maybe we're giving too much information i don't know uh in the app i couldn't uh agree with jerry palm less who here thinks South Alabama will have a chance in the playoff after when they win their conference next year? And I think that's part of the issue we have with, and I think that's why you brought up, uh, you know, when you talk about the uh, the playoffs and whether it's automatic qualifiers or at-large bids, because, and this goes back to the Nick Saban conversation about parity, there is no parity in college football. There never will be college football parity. And so when you start talking about conferences being equal it's never gonna come true there are certain conferences that are on the on the same level but i tend to agree with the listener you can't say all conferences are built equally and just take automatic qualifiers because again the second third fourth sometimes even fifth team out of the sec or the big 10 is going to be better than the champion out of the Sun Belt or Conference USA or American or or name your name or the Pac-12 on sometimes it just name your conference. Do you remember how this thing was set up for the 12 teams? I and and again I, I'm trying to pull reach out and pull. Wasn't it like okay the the five uh, the Power Five the conference champ went and I think wasn't there like a conference champ for one of the other conferences that was not considered a power five that they would automatically go maybe the top team from whether it be the Sun Belt or what's left of conference usa or the american athletic conference i don't remember all the particulars right now and i don't have to worry about it for at least another year because this year it's still the top four do you remember how that was that worked mark and you know because i know when we had Keith Gill on from the Sun Belt, he said obviously this gives the league a better chance to get somebody into the uh, to the college football playoff system. All right, so you have the uh, in order the top four conference champions, I guess based on ranking, followed by some combination of the top six at large bids and two highest ranked remaining conference champions, and then those will that order will be based on the college football playoff rankings. So you have the top four conference champions, which I'm sure will be Power Five, right? Um, then you'll have a combination of the top six at-large bids. And then you take the two highest-ranked remaining conference champions. So you don't have the, the, the all five Power Five conferences, then it's just the top four then, right? You don't have, like, because right. there's five Power conferences, so one's going to be left out, right. perhaps. Right. So um, now there is a possibility of a group of five or even more than one group of five making the playoff in lieu of a power five team, but it's not necessarily a guarantee, I don't think. So, um, 
By the way, Mark is the winner. He got the answer to your Chick-fil-A correct. Which was Tulane. Tulane Green Wave. 19 wins. What I got? 19 wins, 45 losses, something like that. Who would ever, ever yeah, see awful. that? You know, normally if a team goes in with a losing record, it's like 29 and 30 or something like that. It, that is really incredible. But they're in, and uh, they play LSU. LSU getting to host, and they get to face Tulane. That's been quite a rivalry over the years for outside the conference for the LSU Tigers. So yesterday, Mark, this was kind of fascinating to me. There were like seven coaches that were billed to be talking to the media. And by the way, I'm a little surprised. There's not that many media here. I thought for sure there'd be more this year because of the controversy over the schedule. Maybe there'll be more today. And and again, this is by invitation. Okay, you just you know you don't. This is not like SEC media days where basically anybody that's got a podcast or anybody who does anything uh, is is applies and they get in. So yesterday, Clark Lee, who I've never heard before, Vanderbilt. So he he comes in. I'm trying to remember who he followed. I don't know if it was Hugh Freeze or whatever. They just kind of flow together. And, Mark, there was only about seven or eight media members that stuck around. Everybody else filtered out, okay? So here's Clark Lee Vanderbilt. And they fin- they were not bad last year. I mean, considering, I think they finished five and seven or something like that. But I stuck around for him because I had never heard him before, and I, I thought he did a really, really good job. And like I said, there was only about five or six. And then when he left, everybody else came in because then Nick Saban and Kirby Smart were, were next to uh, listen to. But gosh, they, <laughs> you talk, about, you know, it reminded me of like a, 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 you know, you go out to Vegas, you want to hear the main person and this would be like the the where they have the the, the backups you know uh in the floor uh, and the lounge you know the lounge act and then you go into the main arena to hear the main act it was like i kind of felt bad for the guy but you know what and, and he too you know like every coach there he was asked about you know well what do you do about the portal you lose players and he was asked about a running back who was leaving Vanderbilt and, and basically you know, you know putting it all together they all said look we coach the players we have that's the best we can do if they leave they leave all right you guys can jump in six nine four one oh five five spent a lot of time on Nick Saban and his comments about parody and unionizing uh these guys and uh uh I, I simply made the point that he only wants parity and he only wants to unionize because when all things are perceived as equal, he's going to wind up being on top because he's always going to get the best athletes when everybody's playing by the same rules or or those rules are all enforced the same way. Right. When we talk about uh, recruiting and recruiting visits and and when you can recruit and how many you can recruit, he's always going to win. He and Ryan Day and Kirby Smart, they're always going to win. When there are things beyond his control, like how much certain universities put towards collectives and NIL, that's where he starts to lose his, his grip on the top of college football. So, of course, he wants a standard across the the country and I'm, by the way I'm not saying he's he's not necessarily wrong I'm simply saying that particular avenue that we travel down for college athletics would be in his best interest 
right? It's not in his best interest if Texas – it's not in Texas A&M's best interest if they hypothetically put a cap on collectives. Or it's not South Alabama's best interest if, if everybody has to recruit the same way. It's Nick Saban. It's in Nick Saban's best interest. Mark, the reason – I'm going to explain something here. The reason the NFL has parity, I, I, probably a lot of people out there already know this, is because when they came up with these multi-billion dollar, multi-million dollar TV contracts, every team shares in the revenue the same, okay? Like in baseball, they don't. Uh, you know, some of a lot of like the Yankees, let's say they have their own contracts in New York. Obviously, they're going to make more money than San Diego or Kansas City or Oakland. You know, it, it's so disproportionate. But uh, in the NFL, they, they, they did a really smart thing when they were going after parity because when they, they all signed on together, they, it, they, for the best interest of the league, they all get the same amount of money. And as, to your point, you're never going to have parity in college football until every school has the same recruiting budget. If, uh, let's say, Louisiana Monroe has the same recruiting budget at Georgia, well, then maybe you can say we have parity. But it's so disproportionate, the amount of money that Georgia, Alabama, schools like that spend on recruiting, it's just, it's incredible the gap between those schools and schools that are not in the Power Five. So, uh, someone in the app said, Mark, you just you just said you don't think he's wrong, so how do you know that his comment is only self-serving? Because his comments are always self-serving. He was against hurry up, no huddle because he didn't use it. And he didn't know how to defend it. He cited he cited safety, and everybody knew that was BS, but he ultimately adapted to it, overcame it, and figured it out. He's not screaming about it being a, a safety concern anymore, is he? Of course not. It's the same with this. He's always looking for, out for his, his best interest. Like all coaches. Hour number two is next. It's the opening kickoff. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 7.04, hour number two is our SEC spring meetings coverage continues. I'm in the studios of WNSP and, of course, Lee Shervanian uh, in Destin in the thick of it. Yeah, we also want to thank some of our sponsors like Dr. Christopher Mullenix, like Ward International Trucks, and by LNS Air Conditioning along with the uh, CART doctor. So we've been talking about some of the coaches' comments that were made yesterday, and, and basically I was hoping to get kind of a scoreboard reading on how the coaches who spoke to the media felt about the eight-game or the nine-game schedule. And only one coach, Eli Drinkowitz of Missouri, actually took a stand and said, I favor the nine, we need to play nine. The others watched waffled, wavered, said, well, we have to consider this, we have to consider that, and basically said, look, whatever the conference decides to do, we'll take our marching orders. The other thing we've spent a lot of time on in the first hour was Nick Saban's comments when he talked about college football versus the NFL, and he said, the NFL is a business. I worked for Wayne Huizenga. You know, he invested in other things. He said college football is not a business, and I think, Mark, that raised a few eyebrows also, like, because... (laughs) 
it, what about the merchandising? What about all the uh, the money that raked in, you know, with uh, certain elements of a university? And Nick's, Nick's premise was that it's not a business because they're putting the money back into the university for revenue, you know, for other programs that, you know, obviously don't produce much revenue and things like that. So I think his comment that it's a business, it isn't a business, really uh, some people uh, maybe took exception to that. And I could see why they would, too, because we think of college sports now as being big business. Uh, you guys can jump in on that. We have a couple open segments at 694-1055 is the number. Coming up at 730, we'll talk to Mike Griffith of Dog Nation, Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide at 8 o'clock, and Richie Riley, the South Alabama basketball coach at 830. But for the next couple seconds, we have a chance for you guys to jump in. So give us a call and let me know what you think. Lee, I got to bring up a, an issue that is not SEC spring, uh, uh, spring meeting related because I need your take. I think you would have an interesting take on something but before we do that we're going to take a phone call okay go ahead all right go ahead caller welcome to wnsp hey guys good morning dan ty hey man hey okay so mark I, i'm a little concerned about you because you're actually saying things that are in fact true but negative about the uh the capstone up there so uh watch your back when you uh, go out there on dolphin and go, don't go out <laughs> your street and, uh might want to be careful when you turn the car on. Yes, sir. But what you're saying about Saban is absolutely correct. The only reason he complained about the no huddle and the speed of the game was because he couldn't stop it, okay? So asking for parity now is an absolute joke, okay? Now that everybody's buying Players have been being paid for 100 years, and the Red Elephant Club was NIL before NIL was NIL. The only reason Nick Saban got seven number one classes was because the Red Elephant Club was buying all the players everywhere. He problem with any of that happening when he was sitting on top, but now that Georgia and other teams are starting to do the same legally, now he's all concerned about it. So kudos to you for pointing it out, War Eagle. Well, you know me. I'm an <laughs> Auburn guy through and through. <laughs> and look, he's not doing anything that others aren't. He just His voice carries uh, more weight than a lot do. But, yeah, I mean, he's always been like this. There, he's, no, he's no different today than he was, you know, 10 years ago. And that's what coaches do. Um, in the app, ask Anti if Auburn has ever paid for a player. I'm sure, I'm sure they have too. Uh, Lee, I I got I got a little bit of levity here for you. So, um, how old are you now, Lee? This is important to the story. Uh, yeah, seventy six. All right, so you still have time, but it has been announced that uh, Al Pacino. 82-year-old Al Pacino is expecting with his 29-year-old girlfriend, Lee. Al Pacino has three kids from two different women. He's expecting another at the age of 82. She is eight months pregnant. Also... <laughs> All right, you brought up Pacino. What about, wasn't it a week ago where it came up with Robert De Niro? Yes. De Niro and is 79. 
Yeah, that's the one I gave thought to. So let's say, and is that son or daughter been already born to De Niro's girlfriend? Or I don't know if he's married to the girl. Not, you know, we're not going. Yeah, get they into just that. had a baby. So when she's like ten, he'll be eighty-nine. He may not even make it to see her go to high school or college. I hope he does, but. <laughs> We were speaking of that. We were passing uh, by, you know, we were out doing some walking yesterday, and they have a movie theater here. I don't know if they actually run the movies, but uh, I don't know if it's closed for repairs. But they had a big sign about a De Niro movie, something about the father. Are you familiar with that one? It just came out. Uh, yeah, with De Niro. I yeah, think that yeah, was Robert filmed De Niro. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Pacino, but he beat him. He's at eighty-two now. Yes. And has, oh my gosh. See, usually when you're 82, you're you're expecting grandkids, and in some cases, I have friends in town who have great kid, great kid, great kid. Yeah, that's not coming out right. Great grandkids, okay. Uh, second removed, and here he is, just oh boy. He's just he's just knocking it out over there. How about you know, that? Mark, I got to be honest with you. I I just couldn't see myself at that age, at the age I'm at now. Now having a, a son or a daughter, it just it's mind-boggling. Now we're, we just we're, we welcome in uh, grandkids, but not not having your own son and having to go through all that again, what you're experiencing now. So what you're saying is you and Miss Barbara aren't interested in having a, a, a absolutely not. No. No, we're very happy to have grandkids, and uh, no, don't want to go through that again. Look, it was fun, it, you, you, like you're like you're experiencing now, and and with them growing up and moving on, and I think you're going to have what one in co you have one in college, one ready to go to college, and one still about two years removed from college. So it's a great experience, and I envy you. But I went through it, and I don't know if I'd want to do it again. Not at my age. Sounds like Pacino's having a fun, a good time. It sounds like he's enjoying life to the fullest. Is a, hey, is he a stay-at-home dad? Is he? Does he do the things that you do? Drive the kids back and forth? I'm, I'm thinking there's only one thing Pacino's doing these days, and it, apparently it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, require you to get out, get out of the house. Are the are these hands-on dads or are these dads oh, I, that are? I, I think it's fair to say he's very hands-on. Wow. At least he was eight months ago. So here I thought De Niro had beat the, you know, had, had set the standard. Now you're telling me Pacino's gone a few yeah. years better than him. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a race, but uh, man, 82 years old, man, and, uh, uh, the man's the 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 woman is 29. Yeah, I'm hey, sure Dad, it's true love. Can you come out and play catch with me? Yeah. <laughs> can Can you come out and shoot some hoops with me? Yeah, it's just. Uh, Good for him. Good so, for Al Pacino. So the so the kid gets to be, let's say, ten, eleven, and and then De Niro's about. Uh, well, I'm using him as an example. So he gets he's like eighty nine or so. Goes to the school plays. Yeah, with uh, Walker with a Walker. Well, he can go to he can go to parents and grandparents' day. He can go to exactly. both. Exactly. And and aren't aren't other students gonna say, hey, is that your grandfather? Yep, that's right. Is that your great grandfather? Apparently, they're making a new movie. Should I try this one, or is this going to land flat? <laughs> well, they started hey, Heat. Know, I think they're coming out this? with a. I think they're coming out with a sequel in Heat. How, how about this? Put Pacino and De Niro in the same movie. How's that? Uh, yeah, they've Good done fellows. that before. Yeah. Yeah, Goodfellas. Yeah. Something like that. I was thinking in Heat. <laughs> 
or high heat. I think I think we're on to something here. What do you guys think? Uh, in the app, Pacino, yeah, he'll be gone long before the kids in high school. Um, let's see. Leaving a legacy. They don't care about high school. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. Uh, people are uh, jumping on anti. Uh, hey, anti, your new coach led a program that was hammered for paying players. All right. Yeah, so we're all over the boards. All right, that's kind of what I that's that's kind of what I envisioned. A little anarchy here on uh, the opening kickoff. When we come back, we'll reset. A little uh, scoreboard traffic and weather. Also, we'll get to the we'll get to the bottom of this sonic boom that was heard. Apparently, it was over over in Pensacola, near maybe even near Destin, where the I'll look into it. Aliens coming to coming to chat with Lee apparently. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, your weather. We'll get back to some SEC spring meeting stuff when we come back. You guys can uh, give us a call at 694-1055. The opening kickoff continues here on a Wednesday edition. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. <laughs> transparent with it I, I I am very very glad that young men that I've been blessed to provide for my wife and children and got two grandchildren on the way um, a life because of young men that have done well at go back to Lambeth Arkansas State wherever Liberty Ole Miss Auburn and so I think it's incredibly uh, good that they can benefit off of some of the blessings that uh, that we've all received from our great game. Clearly, that is an Al Pacino talking about grandkids. That uh, that would be Auburn coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, by the way, I I I recognize game recognizes game, so I have to say this quickly, Lee. Uh, our, trip, our own Triple G. Uh, a little he's feeling fine but his voice is a little messed up so he's not speaking which might be why the shows have been so good this week but he did mention to me in a message when we were talking about Al Pacino and uh welcoming a uh a baby here at the age of 82 with his 29 year old uh with his 29 year old girlfriend um he made the comment she said hello to his little friend which i thought was really well done and so kudos to you nick well well played well played uh, welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff, and uh, Lee's and Destin just living the dream at SEC Spring Yes, meetings. I am. Thanks to sponsors like Dr. Christopher Mullinex, Ward International Trucks, also Rich's Car Wash, Chick-fil-A, and the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. Hugh Freeze, we haven't even talked about him yet, Mark. Um, first time I've seen him in person like this since a few years ago when questions were raised about what was going on at Ole Miss. I will say this. He was a lot more relaxed yesterday. <laughs> he he was uh, entertaining. 
uh, maybe not as entertaining as Eli Drinkowitz, but he talked about the first question that was posed to him about all these transfers, like how do you how do you orchestrate this? So you got so many new kids coming in, and you know his his obvious answer was, well, we'll just have to wait and see. And you know, to to the for the most part, coaches were saying, well, the players aren't back on campus yet and so forth you know speaking of that and and as i'm talking mark you know how my mind just wavers back we and do because yes we do know that that one of the issues with george of course has been some of the off the field escapades of some of the student athletes uh, getting into trouble with duis and driving and and things like that lately i think there's been three or four incidences up in athens georgia kirby smart was asked about that and he he was asked literally he said does this affect recruiting does this affect when kids, like he was mentioning about some recruits coming in this weekend or something like that, but he said that it's distant. He said you don't connect one to the other. But um, I will say this, the media members here, they, they'll bring up anything and everything, you know, that's out there uh, in some way. And, I, and, I, and I, I, don't, I didn't take notes on everything that was brought up, but any, even with Alabama, uh, the questions about uh, to Nick Saban. One of the questions we we haven't even gotten to it. He was uh, he was asked about you know some of the stuff that's gone on up there with the Brandon Miller case, uh, with the uh, Brand uh, Brad Bohannon case, and so forth. Um, and there's not much Nick can say about it, but uh, he was he was asked. It was brought to his attention, like you know, how do you deal with this? What's going on? You know, and you know he kind of like most coaches, they they kind of take a pass and sidestep the question and saying, well, we just moving on and, and doing the best we can. And then of course, what Nick said, well, you know, you're only talking about what one or two percent, you know, of the university. So the any issues, you know, we talk about schedules, we talk about gambling, we talk about portal, but. Every coach that's up there, if something has happened in the past year or so, they'll bring it up. Well, that's a lot to digest. Hang on. I think we started with Hugh. You mentioned Kirby and got back to Nick. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing catch up here a little bit. Uh, but you guys can jump in at 694-1055 because we're going to talk to uh, Mike Griffith coming up uh, of Dog Nation here at about uh, 10 minutes or so. But we want to hear from you on a number of topics that we discussed. Uh, the sonic boom, of course. And I'm not just talking about Al Pacino, am I right? Uh, but, of course, you can get in on Pacino. And then uh, Nick Saban talking a lot about parity and unionizing uh, was a big topic of conversation yesterday, as, um, as was Eli Drinkowitz kind of misstepping uh, with co- one of his comments when he was car- comparing NIL to uh, his uh, – his relative who's a pediatrician and that they make more than his pediatrician uh, relative. I think it was a brother-in-law. Uh, he had to, he had, he had to give full context on that. But my, my point earlier and, and some Alabama fans took exception to what I was saying was that Nick Saban, of course he wants parody because if everybody's playing by the same rules, he's always going to out recruit you. So he wants to some degree, it's self-serving to say he wants to unionize uh, the players that he wants everybody to play by the same rules because that's when he excels when when everybody's playing with uh, on a level playing field because he's better at recruiting than everybody else so it's when you have things that he can't control or that he's not as good at that's when you start seeing him talk about everything being equal whether it's hurry up no huddle whether it's uh, collective collectives and uh, and nil money. I mean, again, that's why he made the comments he made last year about Texas A&M because he knew at that point he couldn't compete. 
And so he made the comments about Jimbo Fisher so that the narrative is now about Texas A&M paying players to level that playing field. We have time for a quick phone call. Let's take a quick one. Welcome to WNSP. Hey, guys. Alabama Nature Boy here. Hey, uh, Saban's in an edge. That's part of his greatness. The sonic boom was the reentry of a spacecraft last night. And the only national championship probably won in anti-Rasky's lifetime at Auburn, Scam Newton was the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think we all agree that uh, I, I remember taking heat at the time, Lee, uh, a lot of heat because I just assumed Cam Newton was getting paid. I, I just, I just, you can't, I refuse to believe to this day that he turned down whatever it was, 200 grand at Mississippi State to go play at Auburn for free. I'm just not buying it. Uh, and I had some pretty heated discussions about it at that time. Uh, but I just, I'll forever believe. I'm waiting for the 30 for 30 on, on that story, Lee. That would be great. Let me know when it's on so I won't miss it either. <laughs> and what kind of sonic boom was it? I'm just saying. Stranger things have happened. You got the Al Pacino news breaking at the same time as the sonic boom. Put two and two together, people. All right, we'll have a couple minutes on the other side for you to jump in, and then we're going to catch up with Mike Griffin. So stay with us. We've got le plenty left here on a Wednesday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. <laughs> Scott Woodward, um, <laughs> just to clarify for the record, you know, we've talked about it and, you know, whatever, you know, gives us that, that, you know, competitive model, um, you know, look, I mean, two here on a Wednesday edition, that's the voice of LSU coach Brian Kelly, right? So, uh, back to my saving point, Lee. Saban's only going to say things that are in his best interest, right? Well, when we started talking about uh, eight versus nine game uh, schedules and permanent and crossover opponents, he was against playing LSU. Uh, the LSU coach not only wants to play Alabama, they want he wants to play him every year, Lee. I like that. Yeah, he didn't back away from what he said a couple of weeks ago. He was quoted as saying that a couple of weeks ago, Mark, and he is uh, right up front about it. Yeah, that's who he wants. To, he doesn't mind having them on the schedule. Look, don't when push comes to shove, don't all of us who are college football fans want to see these type of games? Come on. You know, that's why I'm really hoping they push this nine-game schedule. It was, you know, when Nick brought up about playing Power 5 teams, okay? Okay, he shied away from the nine-game schedule, all right, and said, let's play. You know, but I want to make sure we play all Power 5s. So then why does Alabama or any other of these schools, why are they playing uh, uh, FCS schools, okay? And because you see them, I think, what, they play maybe one a year. Uh, some of them do. Um, 
You've got Auburn playing Massachusetts this year. I mean, you know, we talk about this. Oh, well, what if they go to nine and it hurts them in the postseason? Yet, Mark, you know as well as I do, when we come into the college football season and we get a, a couple of games like that that we have to talk about, come on, we, we talk more and look f- more forward as I forget which coach it was, so that he actually relishes games like that going up against, you know, big-time opposition. Now, I, Kelly was, uh, we talked, he came along later on, and we got a couple of comments from him. But, uh, you know, and, you know, Brian, you know, he's been at Notre Dame. So, you know, from week to week, they, they, they don't play FC school, FCS schools up there. And, you know, he's used to playing games like that. So I give him a lot of credit, and I think – that uh, that's the way the league should go, and I think that's what Sankey wants to go, and I think maybe we'll find out a little bit later this week if that's the direction the presidents uh, want to go also. I'm not buying these other excuses, which we talked about yesterday, like, well, more injuries if you play another SEC school. Like, yeah, right, you're not going to have an injury if you play a, a school that's not an SEC school. So anyway, hey, I do want to thank sponsors for getting us this far anyway into the week with the SEC Spring Meetings, uh, Urology Associates, Greer's Marketing, Cash Saver, Sponta Manufacturers, also Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, and T. Bachelor and Son Heating and Air Conditioning. All right, so coming up here in just a little bit, we're going to catch up with uh, Mike Griffin of uh, Dog Nation. Uh, also coming up uh, in hour number three, we're going to talk to Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide, and Richie Riley, the South Alabama basketball coach. But continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. Uh, and, of course, um, you can give us a call at 694-1055. Uh, but, my, again, my point about Saban, I think I think the Brian Kelly comment actually – uh, is is a kind of reiterates what we were talking about. So Nick Saban, while it wouldn't it be better for college football if Alabama and LSU played every year? It's a great rivalry, right? Well, why doesn't he want to play it? Because it doesn't help him. It it hurts him more than it helps him. So don't don't give me that Nick Saban isn't self serving with everything he says. And it, and again, I'm not blaming him. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that he's going to do what's in his team's best interest. And if, oh, by the way, that that also is in the best interest of the game, then that's that's a bonus. That's cherry on top. But Brian Kelly, to my point, only wants to play Alabama every year because that's going to that's gonna elevate his program. Uh, there may be a time where he doesn't want to play Alabama every year, but that's not right now. He's trying to get to where Saban is. So, again, my point is all coaches are self-serving. Uh, and not every time, you know, and, and sometimes we, we mask it as, oh, they're, they're just looking for what's best for the game. Uh, and I think that's just yet another example of it. Um, in the meantime, we're going to switch gears here in just a second. I think we're efforting Mike here. I know he was he was doing some different things. Lee, quickly, what's happening today at SEC Spring Meetings? Today is closed-door meetings. Athletic directors, football coaches, basketball coaches – and as a media member, I join with others. We just kind of mill around and uh, look forward to maybe one or two coming out for lunch or something like that and maybe getting a comment or so. There'll be no decisions today. That, that may take place tomorrow. So today, all of the coaches, ADs, uh, they'll hear from Sankey, closed-door meetings, and then when they pop out for a, uh, a, a this or that, 
maybe going to the men's room or something like that. They'll be surrounded by the media members who just kind of mill around and just hope and wait. I got to tell you, Mark, yesterday I saw Nick Saban coming out of a meeting, cell phone to his ear. I raised the question, Do you? Re- and I, I was talking to a media member, said, do you really think he's talking to anybody? Every time I have attended this, and I don't have maybe my fourth year here or something like that, every time he has come out of a meeting, he has the cell phone glued to his ear. And I'm thinking, he's my guess, he's not talking to anybody. It's just to keep from having people come up and asking him questions. So that's just my theory on that. On uh, the other theory about, you know, you mentioned about, and you'll let me know when Mike is on, of course. We got him. Oh, good. Let's go to Mike Griffith, uh, who's staying at the same hotel I am. So uh, great minds think alike. Mike, uh, for Dog Nation, uh, how you doing this morning? Oh, doing great, Lee. Thanks. Well, Mark and, uh, and I have really, you know, gone around the dial, and we've talked about mostly about Nick Saban. I've mentioned some Kirby Smart things. As a journalist covering this, what what did you take away from yesterday's coaches' uh, press conferences? Well, I don't know. You know, to your point, I don't know that really a lot has been decided. It sounds to me like it's going to happen at the presidential level. Um, you know, the coaches have had, kind of had their say with their administrative teams, and they know where they stand with their presidents, and I think it's going to be up to the league presidents, uh, you know, meeting of the minds with Greg Sankey. But I don't know. The coaches uh, just kind of openly discussing a lot of the unintended consequences of the NIL and, and these more relaxed transfer rules. Certainly every time there's an action, there's a reaction, and they're not always anticipated. So that leads to some issues that, you know, maybe some bridges that haven't been crossed before. There's no uh, how-to book. Uh, there's no uh, manage, roster management for dummies book out there. Um, but it, that's truly key. I, I believe that's why Kirby Smart has, you know, become the best coach in college football. I think he's done the best job with roster management. And I think right now, that's, to me, that's, those are the buzzwords, roster management. I was a little disappointed that the, more of the coaches, the only coach who took a stand on the schedule was Drinkowitz, who said he favors a nine. The others kind of waffled and wavered and said, well, we have to consider this, we have to consider that. It is the hot topic this week. They've certainly been, uh, I would think, um, uh, they know what's going on. They've had conversations with Sankey. So uh, I, they just kind of like, well, we, we're here to take marching orders. Whatever they tell us to do, we're going to do. I was hoping we'd get more of a response to that, either favorably or unfavorably. Well, coaches are used to being in control. You know, they're control freaks. And, and there's a reason for that, because they're accountable. And when you're accountable for something, you want to have as much control over it as you possibly can, right? If you're going to get held accountable, then you want to do things your way. And they're in a unique position for, for them of not necessarily being able to get their way. They, they can't call the shots. It's out of their control. And what most of these coaches do is practice what they preach, Lee. And you hear them tell us all the time, look, I can't worry about things I can't control. I can't stress out about it. I don't want to give uh, time or attention to it or put energy in a direction. So they're merely practicing what they preach to their student-athletes, which is, look, control the controllables. And they'll, they'll talk to us about it. Yeah, well, you know, Nick Saban will talk to us about it. But, you know, they don't have the same level of conviction that they would if we were talking about, you know, whether they should run a 3-4 or a 4-3 with their personnel because they don't have control over it. So they're kind of observers at this point. Uh, they've made their cases publicly. I think Coach Saban is probably one of the most gifted speakers uh, that I've ever been around when I sit in that auditorium and listen to him, I, I feel privileged 
right? You know, I, I, you know, have you ever been invited to like a private concert? I feel like when you sit in a room with Nick Saban, it, you know, it's it's like a private con- like who would get to sit in the, you know, in the hall of 30 people with Maroon Five, right? When you watch Nick Saban in person, he's one of the most dynamic and captivating people that I've ever been around, and well thought out, philosophical, just has a knack for holding your attention and really making his messages resonate. Even if you don't agree, you can't help but appreciate his points of view. So this is a fascinating event for me. I enjoy it. I think all these coaches are great leaders um, and, and intellectuals. They wouldn't be SEC coaches if they weren't. I was interested in Hugh Freeze's presentation. I didn't really know what to get or really know what to expect. I hadn't had a whole lot of exposure to Hugh Freeze. And, you know, the whole aw shucks, kind of under the radar, he seemed quite comfortable with being overshadowed by Kirby and Nick. That, that's fine with Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze strikes me as a guy doesn't need to get a lot of attention, probably doesn't want to get a lot of attention. As long as he's getting the results, though, Lee, and, and the way he would introduce his points, you know, like, well, it's really not my decision. It's the president's and blessed to be at Auburn and not one to overstep his bounds. But from a football coach's point of view, then he shared. And I said, man, this guy, the word that came out of my head was slick. This guy's good. He's selling me the car, and I'm not even shopping. So he, another gifted speaker with in his own ways, I guess the proof is in the pudding. I like the transparency. I like the candid thought that he wakes up in the middle of the night and wonders if his way will still work. I, I like the story. I, I, you know, this guy's good. This guy's good. I didn't know that I, I didn't necessarily want to like him or dislike him, but I came out of there saying I can see why Hugh Freeze has been a successful football coach. All right, let me ask you a question, something I have no clue. We talk about the presidents of the ones who come in here, but when they come in and if they vote on a schedule or any other issue, is it their decision, or are they influenced greatly by the athletic director and the football coach? In other words, when the president at Alabama comes here, has Greg Byrne and Nick Saban basically told them which way to go on this? To different degrees. I mean, I would think I would think if I was a president and an athletic director and I didn't listen to what Nick Saban or Kirby Smart had to say, I'd be pretty crazy. I mean, does anybody know football better at Alabama or Georgia than Nick Saban and Kirby Smart? I don't think so. But at the same time, you know, they have to be, they have to read the room too. I mean, the SEC, part of what makes the SEC so great or what's made it to me the greatest conference in any sport is the way the schools ultimately work together. And and that's endangered right right now. With some of these politicians making laws in their states, that's 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 people cutting in line. I mean, that doesn't ha- that, that you don't need to do that in the SEC. It's starting to happen with these new laws cropping up. But to to get to your point, the presidents all take what their coaches want into consideration, certainly. But at the same time, there's a bottom line, and and football is part of the business, but it's not all the business. The other facet is is Greg Sankey. You know, Commissioner Sankey is in charge to represent everyone's best interest to take the the ideas, the thoughts, the wants, the desires of his respective league presidents, coaches, athletic directors into consideration. Is there anybody else in the room? You know, we've established that, you know, Kirby, Nick, 
Gus, or well, not Gus. Gus is well. Gus would be the guy at Central Florida, but uh, Freeze. We just we've established that they're the experts on football. But when we talk about the SEC business model, Lee, the person that can see it from twenty thousand feet, that's Greg Sankey. And so Greg Sankey probably has as much influence as anyone in the room on what the presidents are going to do. But ultimately, the, the president and the presidents have to decide. You know, they hear their pitch from their coaches. And then they have to take into consideration what Greg Sankey says as he advises and informs on his dealings. Um, and I think he's done a pretty good job really not publicly overstepping his bounds. I think he does a pretty nice job remaining neutral uh, when he answers questions, even if, even if most of us do think he leans a little bit towards the nine-game model. Mike, I want to get your take, something Mark and I have talked about, uh, referencing Nick Saban about players unionizing, paying the players, this and that parody not no parody but when he even said like players unionizing, i mean i'm not sure where he's coming from that i i don't see that happening i really don't and in fact <laughs> i look at it i look at it like this too because i think it was drinkowitz who pointed out you're, you're talking because you know, they asked him i think they asked him about you know players coming and staying he said what are you talking about you guys are crazy he said most players stay two years at the most right and they're gone the only ones who stay are walk-ons well, it's no different than the NFL when these players sign three or four or six-year contracts and they don't always see them through. There's always some option or some clause, which always confused me when I was young. I'm like, but wait a minute, he signed a four-year contract. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's going to stay four years. What? That didn't make sense, right? Um, the thing that struck me about Coach Saban's president and, and the irony of it, which I loved, because he convinces you of something, and then you get out of the room and you like slap yourself and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Nick Saban's in there saying that that parody is good for college football. This is the guy that's won seven titles. You're telling me that the modern-day dominator is, is now telling us that, that parody is good for college football? Wait a minute, Nick. You're part of the reason there isn't parody. You've been winning all the championships. He's won seven championships since 2003. And he's telling us, well, you know, the virtues of parody. Yeah, well, all right. So, listen, again, Coach Saban's a gifted speaker. Um, and, a, and also a very uh, influential speaker. And he brought up a lot of great points about the need, you know, how the amateurism model, you know, it's kind of out the window. I wonder how sincere he was. I almost wonder if there might have been a degree of, um, I don't know, it, it, when he said union, I, I don't know that he really believed that. I think he was almost taking it to an extreme to make a point. I, I could be wrong. But you know, and Lane Kiffin points out, well, if you go to unionizing in the NFL model, well, now you've got other you've got other new issues that you've created, right? There, the bottom line, Lee, is there's no easy solution. This is going to be an evolution and a process. We're not going to come to some resting place like, up oh, there it is. That's the that's it. We're going to fix it. Boom, done. It's it's not going to happen. And part of the reason why is because. And, and this is where I get a little philosophical, uh, is because of the societal norms and, and what we want for our student-athletes, what we feel are the rights of the student-athletes or students in general or young people in general, what we're willing to give, what we're willing, uh, what we value, right, as a society. And as, what our, and as our values change, so too does the way we go about our business and our rulings and our laws. And so that's why this is going to be in a constant uh, state of fluidity. 
There will never be parity. There will never, ever come close to the NFL until, and they won't do this, there's an actual leader for college football. There is no leadership. Everybody goes in their own direction trying to better the other person. And that, and until you have somebody that comes along, and there's been talk about this, but it's not going to happen, that you appoint somebody to run college football. And until they do, they'll never, they'll never, these issues will well, always do be. We listen, do we really, it, and I, I hope I don't split your audience too hard on this, but I don't want there to be. I, I want there to be winners and losers. I'm, I'm not a participation trophy guy. I, I know there were many people that were raised in that world where everybody gets something and it's all about doing your best. And, and it is all about doing your best. And that's fine. And you should feel good about yourself that you do your best. And if your best isn't good enough, you put your head on your pillow at night and know you did your best. And if you still want to win, then go out and work harder the next day. Because there's winners and there's losers, and that's why we keep score. And our country was built on people willing to sacrifice for what they wanted. And, and it's not always easy. And the whole key to success, Lee, isn't learning how to succeed. It's learning how to fail because life is a series of failures, and it's not up to society to you know, change that. It's like you said, there's, there's never going to be – there's never going to be true equality. There's always going to be somebody better. There's going to be losses dealt to us every day. I mean, think about it. How much, you know, again, philosophical argument here, but I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, to me, parity that's, you know, created, you know, via the NFL draft, there's still winners and losers. The Detroit Lions still can't win a playoff game. I, I don't care how equal the system is. They're, they've got a problem. That franchise, the Chicago Cubs became some of the most beloved losers of all time. I grew up watching them on WGN. That's, it's, just, it's a part of sport. It's just kind of, you know, one of those realities. And, you know, rather than complain about it, you deal with it and, and you, you work within it. And so I think a lot of what we're asking for, to your point, is pretty unrealistic. And what do you really want? Now, Nick David made a great point yesterday about how the NFL would love to have everybody in the league 8-8 eight and eight going into the last week of the season because then everybody is captivated and everybody's watching TV because their team is still in it and higher ratings. Just like why the Daytona 500 is like one of the greatest races in stock car because at the beginning of the year, everybody's undefeated. Everybody's got the same amount of points. Right? Every car's got a chance, especially to restrict the plate track. Now we're getting into some expertise there. But but the point is, yes, we do like that. But in reality, eventually champions and winners emerge. And it, it doesn't, you know, for that day. Right? But then like every day is a new day. I mean, Nick Saban, my goodness, you know, Alabama has lost two games or more three out of the last four years, Nick. Do you realize, do you realize that, Lee? Like, that's yes. never happened to Nick Saban in Alabama that he's lost two or more games three out of four years. People, well, that's not the end of the world. No, it's absolutely not. It's fantastic that the standards are that high. But there's an underlying reality to that that, you know what? He's not as dominant as he's been. Bama's Mike, not the automatic shoe-in that they once were. That Brian Kelly's come down to LSU, he's found something. Can he do it again? I mean, isn't this what we want? I mean, don't we like to see these champions clash? That winning as coach in Notre Dame history comes to the SEC, knowing fully well how much harder it's going to be. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's got to lose. Ain't, no, ain't going to be no parity at the end of the day. Last year, LSU had their number. 
Now it's up to to me. This is this is what inspires us and interests us to see how all these men who are champions in their own right, or they wouldn't be here as league coaches, you know, right down to you know Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, pretty good coach. Hey, Mike, 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 I got to interrupt. We got to take a break. We're up against the clock, okay? I'll see you in a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later. Mike Griffith, Dog Nation. All right, we're going to wrap up our number uh, two next with a short segment. And, of course, uh, Chris Stewart will kick things off in hour number three. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. And uh, we'll get your reaction next right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. And we could put guidelines on some of this stuff that would do the same thing. You know, I think the big mistake that people make is college athletics is not a business. People say it's a business. It's not a business. It's revenue producing. When I was the coach at the Miami Dolphins, Wayne Huizenga owned the team. That was a business. He took a profit. He made money. He made a huge investment. That doesn't happen in college athletics. We reinvest every cent right, that gets made in the, the non-revenue sports. 7.57, real quickly uh, here, we a uh, real quick segment here as we wrap up our number two. Mark Heim in the studios along with Nick Wiggins and, of course, Lee Shervanian in Destin. Uh, with the SEC spring meetings and a number of fine folks to thank for that endeavor. And the segment brought to you by Kemco Metal Builders. Apologize, Mark, for going too long last segment. That's on me. Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, it was good stuff. And, and I think a lot of what he was saying kind of uh, mirrored kind of the conversations not only we were having on the air, but a lot of what we're talking about in the app right now. Like I'm having a discussion in the app right now. Uh, about Alabama and uh, the point I made about Nick Saban not wanting to play the opponents, about Brian Kelly wanting to play Alabama every year, but Nick not wanting to play LSU. And uh, the listener's point is, well, look at the schedule Alabama has. My whole point the entire day is coaches want what's best for college football when it aligns with their best interest. Right? So the Alabama fan who says, man, if Georgia played that schedule, other people played a schedule that tough, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Well, the truth is you wouldn't have a problem with it if Georgia was the only team playing that schedule. If we were talking about Georgia playing the teams that Alabama were playing, you'd be all for it. Why? Because it's better for college football to see Georgia playing high-ranking competition every week. And two, it ultimately could help your team, which is exactly my point about Nick Saban in every coach in college football. They want what's best for college football as long as it doesn't interfere with them making the best of their program. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's how it is. Hour number three is next. Chris Stewart will kick things off. Uh, Richie Riley will join us as well. The opening kickoff. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com 
The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 8.02, hour number three. Man, it's been a great show. A lot of great content coming out of Destin, the SEC Spring Meetings. I'm Mark Nick's in the studios of WNSP. And, of course, Lee Shervanian getting it done for us over there in Destin. We are efforting uh, Chris Stewart here, but uh, we'll get a couple of news and notes real quick. Yeah, and then let me thank some of our sponsors that have made it all possible for me to be here to enjoy my stay. And so many people say, am I on, I, am I on vacation or am I actually working? I'd say it's a little bit of both, I would say. Greer's Marketing Cash Saver, Spa and Tub Manufacturers, uh, Urology Associates, uh, The Cart Doctor, among our many sponsors, and also T Bachelor and Sun Heating and Air Conditioning. Let's talk to Chris Stewart, uh, voice of Alabama basketball this past year, football, and also baseball. Big doings for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Chris, getting a chance to host for the first time, I guess, since 06. Were you around to do the 06 uh, regional? Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, 2000 was my first regional to ever work with Alabama. Well, let me back up. First one to work on the radio network. I did uh, television with uh, with regionals, I think, in – I know I did 99. I actually did Auburn when Tulane was down there because uh, Bruce Suter's – things you remember, Bruce Suter's son was a pitcher for Tulane. Um, but there were – uh, 2000 was the first one I worked radio when we were in Palo Alto. It was the uh, first time I'd ever been out there, and it was a it was a cool opportunity. But there is there is nothing like being at home for postseason baseball and excited about that opportunity for the Alabama fan base to turn out. And it sounds like from ticket sales, that's exactly what they're going to do. What's the uh, schedule for Friday? Uh, two o'clock will be the Troy uh, ball game. Uh, against Boston College, and then Alabama will play uh, Nickel State at six o'clock. So, if if you had to take a guess, uh, think you know, let's 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 move ahead to the championship game. Figuring Alabama's going to make it to at least the championship game, who do you think of those three other teams has the best chance to face them? Well, Boston College is the two seed. Troy's really good though, um, and. A lot of respect for what they've done and and know from having seen it, uh, three seeds, very dangerous. And, and this is the beauty to me of the NCAA baseball tournament. You can, call it, you can call it beauty if you're a lower seed and you've got this guy. It can be scary as all get out if you're the one seed or the spot Bama's in this weekend. But unlike the NCAA tournament, which has only had, I believe, one 16 seed ever beat a one, the the 16 seed, if you want to call it that, or the uh, the four seed taking on a, a national seed, such as the case for uh, for baseball here, the the four has a chance because almost all of the fours have a really good pitcher. They can they've got somebody they got one guy they may not have anybody behind him they may not have a, another really great starter. But almost everybody's got a Friday night guy that gives them a chance. And with that being the case, it, it can be dangerous. And, and Nichols has been good, can swing the bat, 
So uh, this will be a tough challenge for Alabama. You know, there's also another interesting dilemma facing teams, especially the top seed. Do you save your best pitcher for your next game, figuring, well, we're facing the four seed, which you brought up a very good point, because most teams do have what they call their ace, their Friday night ace. So do you take a chance and gamble just a little bit and say, well, I'll go with my second pitcher. And, again, I don't know the strength of the Alabama pitching staff. Is there a guy that's so head and shoulders above anybody else? Or do you go with your ace and then, you know, you want to get that first win under your belt so then you stay in the winner's bracket? Uh, Yeah, I I think Jason Jackson, who's obviously not only interim coach but has been the pitching coach for six years there, is very comfortable with the rotation. Now, he and I haven't talked about it. There's not enough. Luke Coleman's the one, but there's not enough of a separation between he and Garrett McMillan, who has been terrific, and Jacob McNary, another veteran who's the three, uh, who's, who's been the Sunday guy. There's not enough separation that I think you you toy or tinker with that unless there's you know some other factor matchup-wise maybe that he wants to go with specifically. But I'm, I wouldn't think that's the case. I do recall uh, – a regional that Alabama, golly, I'm, I'm really going back to the memory bank. I think it was 02. I think it was the re, the first baseball regional after 9-11 when they, they said they were really going to regionalize this tournament uh, for the, the first round, the, you know, the, the true regional sites, the four teams. And... Uh, they didn't – we were, if you recall, in o, in o two as early as, you know, spring of o two, we were more than a little bit skittish about travel after 9-11. So they wanted to keep teams close. That was what the committee said. And yet Alabama's the number five national seed wound up, understandably, with Auburn as the number two there. That made geographic sense. But what didn't make sense was when they brought in a 40 – plus win Florida Atlantic team from Boca as the three, and then a four seed in 45 win, I believe, uh, Southeast Missouri State. And I think Jim Wells opted to throw the three guy, the number three guy against SEMO. And we did wind up getting the Alabama-Auburn matchup. We got them in the elimination game on Saturday because Auburn got – I remember doing the television for that, actually, and Auburn uh, was down 9 to nothing before they grabbed the bats in the bottom of the first against Florida Atlantic, wound up taking the lead later and then lost the game. So those two are in an elimination matchup, and Bama ultimately would lose to FAU in the, uh, in the game seven but, you know, rolling the dice can bite you if you catch the wrong team. And, and uh, I, I do think that there's enough consistency between Luke Coleman, Garrett McMillan, and Jake McNary that you'll probably see uh, J.J. go with the, the regular rotation that he's had. I'll, I'll know either tomorrow uh, or today or tomorrow they'll have the media day tomorrow and I'll have a chance to visit with him and I'm sure he'll make that he'll he'll talk more about that at the time but um, I would think you'll see Luke Coleman go in the opener 
Alabama play-by-play announcer Chris Stewart. Chris, I'm in Sandestin for the SEC spring meetings. Of course, there's always stuff coming out of here. And the hot-button issue is, of course, what's going to happen with the schedule, the SEC football schedule. Do you go to nine conference games or eight? If you had a choice or if you had to say, which way would you go? Oh, wow. Um, You know, this is one of those things where knowing that I'm not going to be given a vote, I hadn't spent a whole lot of time on it recently, to be honest. But um, I I know the conversation was about nine. I know the conversation now seems to lean more towards eight. And I understand why. Uh, The thinking is if you're not going to pay us more money uh, yet, then why be made easier for the rest of the country to have an argument to keep us out of out of a fourteen playoff, us being collectively whoever the top one or two teams are in the SEC. because um, the SEC is going to win the overwhelming overwhelming majority of those four non conference games. So especially teams that are factored into the playoff picture anyway. So I think that's part of why if if you're not gonna if there's not gonna be a payoff for a tougher matchup, then I believe the thinking is, hey, let's let's go ahead and continue what we've been doing and uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now again, things change when it becomes the twelve team deal. And that that's when I think you'll see them go to nine. Uh wouldn't even be shocked if one day they went to 10. Um, but we'll see. But I I know that one of the most meaningful, even though it was a horrible thing because not everybody could travel and be there in the COVID year, when Alabama played an all-league schedule and then went to national final. Be true. Uh, rivals that you have the better it is for the fans but right now I think if they're not going to if they're not going to increase either the payout or the number of teams that can get in then I think you'll I think you'll see it stay with eight for at least a couple more years Chris good luck in the regional we'll talk to you next week and hopefully you'll be on your way to a super regional also wish the softball team at Alabama success against Tennessee they open up uh, tomorrow thanks for joining us again We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. That's that's play-by-play announcer for Alabama, Mr. Chris Stewart. Mark. All right. Uh, quickly, want to tell you about our guy, Aiden Marks, over at Medicare Insurance Advisors. He's been in the Medicare business for more than uh, 13 years, guy. He's an independent agent, works with multiple carriers, helped hundreds of individuals in Mobile and Baldwin counties just like you. So if you're within a year of retiring, if you're over the age of 65, maybe you're still working, you're looking to retire in the 12 months, in the next 12 months, you need, you need to call Aiden because there's uh, so much information out there about Medicare. He's not trying to sell you Medicare insurance. He's simply trying to advise you, as the, as the company name uh, indicates, on what is the best option for you. They're gonna be, uh, there's going to be tons of information. Everybody's situation is going to be unique to them. So he had a guy who had uh, been putting off Medicare because he was healthy, just didn't need it, right? So he helped him get everything set up. Now, he had to deal with a small penalty, but he got things moving quickly for his client, and that's kind of what he can do for you. So go by and see him at his office, Highway 98, across from Terry Thompson, Chevrolet, and Daphne. You can go to see him. He can come to you, or better yet, just give him a call. 
463-0031. That's 463-0031. That's Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. Let him know that the folks here at WNSP uh, told him or told you to give him a call, and he can uh, set you on the right path. We'll come back with the scoreboard traffic and weather. And, of course, your phone calls are next at 694-1055. Uh, I want to hear about your Sonic Boom experience. Al Pacino recently had a Sonic Boom experience of himself. At the ripe old age of 82, he's expecting a child with his 29-year-old uh, girlfriend. He and Robert De Niro apparently have this weird competition going on. We can get into all of it. And oh, yeah, by the way, SEC Spring Meetings. Richie Riley at 8.30. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. And it's the same for every single state, every single school. Every, the budget's the same to benefit these players. I mean, you just kind of wish that it was more black and white and really cut and dried as to kind of how everybody should operate in this new world. And, um, man, I remember, shoot, back when, I, at Ole Miss, when I was at Ole Miss. Uh, 822, welcome back in. That's Auburn coach Hugh Freeze yesterday at the SEC Spring Meetings. Audio compliments of the one and only Lee Shervanian and his iPhone, I might add. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thanks to Nick Wiggins teaching me how to use it. Uh, big thank you to Nick so far. Actually, it sounded a lot better than what I used to send back when I used a tape recorder. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't want to. I don't I never wanted to hurt your feelings, but I can say this now that you have your iPhone. That tape recorder was a waste of time when it came to quality. That that audio <laughs> you got today is just so much better. Uh, well done, Lee. It's you know sometimes it takes a little bit longer for some of us to catch on, Mark, as you know. But uh, you're not hurting my feelings because I used to get aggravated with myself with that uh, garbage that I used to record and say, "What am I doing wrong? How come this is not sounding better? I can't believe the iPhone. Boy, what a move that was to go to the iPhone and, <laughs> and now I have a tape recorder. And uh, I wonder if anybody wants to buy the recorder. Actually, it's owned by the station, so I can't do that. Hey, thanks to uh, Rich's Car Wash, uh, Sponta Manufacturing. Also, Urology Associates, Greer's Marketing, Cash Saver. And I want to do also thank T. Batcher and Son Heating and Air Conditioning for sponsoring my trip here to the spring meetings. This is just the beginning because coming up in July, uh, SEC Media Days. But again, Mark, you know, and I, I would say, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing, there were only maybe to the six coaches that we sat in on the auditorium. And then you heard... Uh, Kelly later and then Fisher and Kiffin and hopefully we can play some of that tomorrow they came later on out of meetings like late in the afternoon and that's maybe what we'll get today too with uh, coaches and ADs maybe I can grab a, a comment or two to a significant one but very few football questions I think um, I think one maybe one question or two actually devoted to on the field and and i wonder too you know we always talk about this you know when you get to the the, the sec media days questions basically are going to be 
similar to what we're getting this week. Obviously, they will be more football-related, and, and coaches will be prepared more for talking about their team once they know who's, you know, who's back and who's not. But uh, that's what I like about the spring meetings. It's not about the third-string center or the second-team fullback or something like that. It's about issues, as we've talked about, NIL, gambling. Gambling was a huge issue yesterday, Mark. I know we didn't really talk about it. You know, another thing they talked about, too, Greg Sankey made mention of the fact, and they, they issued a release. This is the last year. I don't know how many people realize this. The last year that CBS is carrying the SEC. They're moving in different directions, so that means only one more year to jump on Gary Danielson. Uh, I'm sure everybody will make the most of that opportunity uh, for sure. In fact, I think they 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 released uh, the windows or whatever yep, uh, for the doubleheader days, uh, and people love that stuff, man. They absolutely love it. Um, but SEC on CBS will debut September 16th with uh, South Carolina at Georgia. Um, so uh, that's the first one that uh, is on the list. So. Yeah, there's there's only a few games because obviously they have to wait to the week before. But like you got Missouri, Arkansas the day uh, after Thanksgiving, and you know a lot of the familiar games will be on. It's just a question of what time. And the doubleheaders will, I'm sure, involve Alabama or maybe Georgia or something like that. So, uh, but this is it. Uh, it's been a long, long-standing. Uh, deal with CBS and uh, the SEC. Uh, I don't know who broke first. I don't know if it was the, the CBS went to the Big Ten or whatever, or if it was the SEC that wanted to go in a different direction because, you know, Greg Sankey is a reference more ESPN now. And of course, when you go to ESPN, that opens up ABC2 and all of the uh, Disney owned stations. So uh, big changes in store. And whether there'll be uh, more SEC games, well, that remains to be seen if, uh, if anything is done this week. But as Sankey said, he's, he's kind of re reverting back when he said, because they asked him about his infamous comment yesterday about the plane circling and landing, and he was asked twice, is it going to land? He said, you know, when we added uh, Missouri, we, we didn't have the schedule in place then. So, you know, there's plenty of time to decide. So there's no rush. We'll see. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, clear up a little uh, confusion there. We had a little fun with the sonic boom. That was indeed uh, from the landing of a space capsule in the Gulf of Mexico, hundreds of miles away near Panama City. Uh, it was not Al Pacino or uh, any of these flights that Greg Sankey was referring to. It was indeed uh, a sonic boom from the Gulf of Mexico. Let's take a quick phone call before we go to, uh, to break. Welcome to the show. You're on WNSP. Hey, as far as CBS broadcasting the games, you know, let's be honest, Mark, it hadn't been the same since Vern Lundquist retired. Uh, we don't get to hear Brad Nessler uh, mispronounce the names of the players like Vern did. And, uh, you know, part of me misses that. Uh, I don't think you're alone, but uh, I think Lee and I – actually agree on this where and we're in the minority where we enjoy the SEC on CBS broadcast um, a lot of yeah. people make it part of the college football ritual to trash that broadcast but man if they're not trashing that broadcast they'll find another one too well here, the, the only you knew if you were going to be on CBS 
you had something to do that afternoon, you had plenty of time to get it done before the fourth quarter because That's, there yeah. were going to be <laughs> a plethora of commercials. So. Yeah, I agree with that point very much. They got to fix that for sure. All right. Thank you. That's Chuck, ladies and gentlemen. All right, when we come back, Richie Riley set to join us. We'll talk a little NBA. We'll get his perspective on equality uh, and and in college athletics. Maybe we get uh, controversial with him. There's new legislation that just kind of went into effect here in the state, or at least it was signed today, or yesterday. I don't know if we're gonna cross that bridge. Maybe we'll just talk golf. You never know with Richie Riley. Whatever way the wind's blowing. The opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. You guys continue with your comments in the app. As of right now, it looks like uh, we might be able to take your calls here in this segment. But uh, Lee continues from uh, Destin at SEC Spring Meetings. Yeah, what better place to be other than the studio? You, you're hanging in there and making it nice. I want it nice and clean when we get back Friday, too, okay? Uh, uh, no, no, no promises. No, bo- no bottles, no unused bottles sitting around. I want everything clean and nice when I come in there on Friday because people have they, – I guess you've been sending out pictures. They're telling me what a beautiful place it is. So uh, I'm hoping that that's the case when I get there because I'm keeping my, my little studio here very clean, Mark. I want you to know that. Uh, I do want to thank Dr. Christopher Mullinex, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, and uh, Rich's Car Wash among our many, many sponsors, along with Dixie Supply. You know, and, and again, if we get Richie Riley on, Mark, uh, interrupt me, and, you know, we'll get to that. I hope we get a chance, because I'd like to hear his comments on parity. But, I mean, you know, we, we all, obviously we, we target the SEC, and, and obviously Alabama, Georgia, or Georgia, Alabama have been dominating. And, you know, every now and then you'll get, a, you get an LSU in there or another team. But, you know, is it any different with any of the other power conferences? When we talk about the Big Ten, who are we talking about? Ohio State, Michigan, and then maybe somebody else has a really good year. Maybe a Northwestern comes out of nowhere, or maybe Penn State is up there. You know, they're sometimes in the mix. But it's usually, you know the teams that are going in there. You go to the Big 12, it used to be Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, Baylor then came along for a little bit of a ride. Who would have thought TCU? But it, it's, it's no different than other conferences, too. They're dominated by one or two teams year in and year out, with maybe, again, an exception being like a TCU. Same thing with the ACC. 
SEC, it was Clemson for a while. Now maybe Florida State's ready to regain some traction in the league. We don't know, but again, Clemson would be the favorite. So, you know, whatever we refer, reference the SEC and domination and so forth, and as Mike Griffith said, is that such a bad thing? People gravitate to that in sports, in pro sports, the Yankees. You know, they you love to hate them because they always won. The Green Bay Packers, when they were in their heyday, or maybe now Kansas City. So, you know, is that such a bad thing? All right, so we're going to get to all that now. Richie Riley joins us here on WNSP. Richie, let me hit you with the biggest question we've had of the day. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right, so Al Pacino, at the age of 82, is having a child. He is eight years older than Lee Shervanian. Do you think Lee should have another kid? Gotta be a record. I, I didn't know that. It's gotta be like a world record or something. No, I, I think Lee's fully capable of having another kid with his energy level and you know how he is. I think he could. You know, I don't. I don't know that I would recommend that, but I think I think that he certainly could. By the way, for the record, Al Pacino is having his uh, his next child with his 29 year old girlfriend, Richie. Wow. Yeah. That's, Al Pacino, Al Pacino should play himself in a movie documenting that. I think a lot of people would watch it. Yeah, I think he and Robert De Niro, who also had a, ch- a child in his 70s uh, just last month, I think they need to do a, a a sequel to Heat and call it In Heat. What do you think? <laughs> you, you, need to, you need to tweet that. I think that might go viral, man. You, you need to tweet that. All right, speaking of what's going viral, man, um, uh, SEC spring meetings is happening right now. I'm curious, a lot of talk, for, especially from Nick Saban, talking about parity and wanting to have parity, uh, even talking about unions with, like, the players in NIL. First of all, how do you feel about the idea of parity in college athletics, and does your opinion differ whether we're talking about college football or college basketball in college basketball? Are we talking about parity as far as from a competitive yes. standpoint of like that's what he's talking about? Well, he's talking about he's talking about all the rules and everybody dealing with things the same way. But yes, and then as a result, there's more parity in the sport. Yeah, I, I think I agree with him. Everything should be more unified as far as all the new things that are going on. I think I think there needs to be some type of unity and you know something with with dealing with all the new rules, I agree with that. Um, I don't. I don't think you can ever have parity. You can have some parity, but when you look at college football, there's no chance anybody is. There's going to be parity across the board when you're dealing with, you know, a product like Alabama has right now, like Georgia has, Ohio State, um, those type of guys. Like, I, I just don't. You can't catch them, man. Like Georgia right now is like they look hard to catch, even comparing to other guys. I mean, they've got a lot of guys back. They continue to be one or two in recruiting them in Alabama, and it's been, it's, you know, Nick Saban is the creator of non-parity. <laughs> look what Alabama football's done. And they're just they've over they've overmatched everybody for so long. And they just continue to build. I mean, I, I don't think from a competitive standpoint, I think, I think you get more parity throughout college football. But no, those top guys are the top guys to stay. I mean, there's a reason we see the same guys in the college football playoff. 
um, every year. Yeah, so my point all day the, is that Nick Saban wants parity because if everybody has to do things the, be- the same way, he's the best at getting all the top talent. So that's advantage Nick Saban. Right. So when there was the hurry up, no huddle, he screamed safety issues because he didn't know how to defend it. He didn't want everybody doing that because he didn't know how to do it. Now, he he evolved and he ultimately did it. It's why he made the comments he made a year ago about NIL and, and, and collectives. He he doesn't want people having control over things that he didn't have control over at that point because that gave them an advantage. If everybody's got to play by the same rules, hypothetically, he's always going to win. And that's my point. People talk about how they want what's best for college athletics. And as long as it's aligned with what his person or with their personal goals are. Yeah. What's, I think what's really hard out there right now when it comes to the NIL is, is there's a lot of, there's a lot of promises probably being made that may not be delivered. I think that's the first thing, you know, there's a lot of stuff that are getting promised up front that is not coming to fruition. And, and also I think there's a lot of, you know, these guys, these high level guys, like they're dealing with, they have agents and they like, those guys are driving the price up. So these guys probably in the NIL game, um, you know, we see it on Twitter and you see all the stuff out there. So it, there's just a lot of things that there's not a lot of transparency when it comes to this stuff, especially when you're operating at their level, what they're, you know, the type of dudes they're recruiting and, you know, they're recruiting the best of the best, all the five stars. And there's a lot of moving pieces, man. I think there's not a ton of transparency. So I think, I think there's some confusion and some people getting fooled a little bit, players and coaches throughout the, the whole thing in, in those high level recruitments like that. He's Richie Riley. He's the South Alabama basketball coach. He joins us here on WNSP. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, the NBA Finals are set, finally. Uh, who who were you kind of rooting for through this seven-game battle between the Heat and Celtics? And did you find yourself maybe changing or, or cheering for a different team based on the circumstances as we kind of played this, this series out? No, I stayed with the Heat. I was kind of glad that it went seven, though. It looked like it was going to be another sweep. And I just wanted to see some more basketball, to be honest. I didn't think there was any danger that they were going to lose the series until they lost game six. Yeah. And had to go back to Boston for seven. I I, I was shocked at the result of that. I thought I thought Boston would win the series and be the first team to ever come back down 3-0, um, especially how the Heat lost game six. But it just shows that the Heat's resiliency and their culture, I mean, you can't help but to root for him. I say, well, you can't help but to root for him if you're a guy like me that, you know, kind of started his career, you know, NAI level, and I've always been like an underdog type guy, and their team is full of underdogs. All those guys, there's like probably eight guys on that roster yeah. that people gave no chance to be an NBA player. And they went out there, and they've not only made it in the NBA, but they've been highly successful. Um, you look at Caleb Martin, I mean, what he did in this series, well, I mean, changed his life. I mean, he's going to be a guy that makes between probably 16 to 20 million a year starting next year. I mean, he's going to get paid. Yeah, and he should have um, been the MVP. Gabe Benson, all those guys. Like, there's a lot of guys on that team, so you can't help but to root for them. And um, it's cool that they're going to the finals. All right, so let me ask you, go go back to games, the ending of game six. 
What was I hate to bring up bad memories for you, but what was the worst loss? What was the worst way you ever lost a game, whether you were playing or coaching or whatever? Because I can't think of a worse way than to lose on a putback with point one seconds left. Yeah, we we did the same, very yeah. similar when we lost to Auburn here. Yeah, a few years ago, um, had we were up one and had multiple two uh, two rebounds away. I mean. They shoot a three miss and it comes out. Our guy flew by, did a, fl- did a flyby closeout, uh, flyby contest, and it would have came if he would have stayed in the picture and boxed this dude out. We came right back to him, and then he shot another, missed it again, and then a Coro put one in with like I think it was one point, so it was a second more. And um, you know those are crushing, man. And to be honest, like I we lived the exact same thing that year. We we lost that. And I don't know, it was the COVID years when COVID shut us down. We were really, really good. We lost that game like that, and our guys were deflated. And we went to Chattanooga two days, 48 hours later, just like that, and we got drilled. <laughs> like, I tried everything in the world to get there. And, you know, we were, you know, the game we should have won. And I tried everything in the world to get our guys out of that funk, and they just couldn't. Like, they just couldn't. So, Hats off. Now, obviously, the Heat guys are, are pros and, you know, grown men, so it's a little bit different. But I, that's why I give them credit. I mean, they they not only snapped out of it, but they responded in a huge way. I mean, they went in there and dominated four quarters. And, uh, in, in I mean, can you imagine Boston? Can you imagine being in that arena in game seven in that situation? I mean, there probably is no better home court advantage in the NBA than, than there was that that night so that's that's just a credit to the heat and how together they are yeah you know the whole time i was thinking about how miserable the fans have been in the series because the heat have a chance at home to close it out in a sweep uh so you're you're thinking you're, you're celebrating they lose game six you're thinking you're getting ready to go to the nba finals the putback and then you go to the you go to boston and they're all pumped because it's game seven you're you're getting ready to you're on the cusp of his, history and you lose yeah, it's rare to, to be able to win on the road like that. Yeah. Um, even even for the pros, I say it's a lot. Even for the pros, there's a, you know, you don't think about home court advantage as much at that level because they are all professionals and they're used to that and they're not faced by a ton. But, I mean, it's hard to win on the road at any level. So the way that, you know, those teams performed on the road in that series was – you know, that's that's probably close to a record, the amount of road wins in a series. I don't know what that exactly is, but what, what they have, four road wins in the series? Yeah, something crazy. Total? Yeah. Yeah, four road wins out of seven games. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, So, does the Heat have no, a... No, five. It, it was five? Five road wins, right? Man, I, I, I'll bow to your five, judgment on that one. Been. All right. I mean, I... I I'm I'm a journalist, man, so I didn't have to do math. That was kind of the whole thing. Um, so does does the Heat have enough in the tank for 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 Denver? I don't think so. I don't I don't know that even even fresh that they could beat. But that, it's hard to count them out because again, they got a lot of underdog dudes that are tough. Their culture is incredible. They're extremely together. But I I mean I've thought I feel like Denver's the best team in the NBA right now. Yeah. This season, you know, it, it fluctuates each year. You know, you don't ever know. But this season, uh, after what after what they did to the Suns, and then what they did to the Lakers, I mean, I think, I think they're the best team, especially 
because people people forget sometimes Jamal Murray got hurt. Jamal Murray in the bubble a few years ago was by the time he got out of the bubble and when people were proclaiming him top two or three point guard in the league, and he played that that high of a level of basketball in the bubble, and then he had that really bad injury. So he's just now healthy, and now he's back on that, you know, that level. So you got him, and you've got the Joker, who is arguably the best player in the league. He's one of two or one of three. And the way that their role guys are playing right now, whether it's Brown, Porter, Gordon, um, all these guys. I mean, they – Davis Caldwell Pope, I, I, think, I think they have the best team. And I think they're going to be very hard to beat in Denver. And then, you know, I just think – I think, too, like you said, the wear and tear, that seven-game series for yeah. Miami, uh, just the battles they've been in and, and the rest Denver's getting. I, I, think, I think Denver – I think Denver wins. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Denver in five. There it is. Book it, people. You heard it here first. He's Richie Riley. He's the uh, coach at South Alabama. So you got uh, you got some basketball camps coming up, uh, um, starting in about a month. A shooting academy. I'm just wondering if I sign up to go participate, and I think I might have aged out by a year or so, uh, and I'm not a better shooter by the end of it. Can I get my money back, or how's that work? Yeah, don't pay attention to the age requirement on there because you you got status. You know, some people some people in the world have special status. Yeah, and you've got you've got status, platinum status for all of my basketball camps. So, even you know whatever age you want to keep coming, you can. And yeah, I mean you you come and we got to help you get better, right? I mean that's part of it. Like we we pride ourselves on improvement in our program, so I got to help you get better, man. Um, you get you got a pretty good looking shot though. You just you just need to tweak it a little bit, get some consistency. Just kind of live in here, live in here with you for a few days, and you know you'll you'll be you'll be you'll be ready to go. Well, the good news is I don't set the bar really high, so any improvement will not take very long. By the way, speaking of basketball and improvement, did you watch? Have did you see the remake of White Men Can't Jump? No, what's it on Peacock or something? It's on Hulu. No, who's 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 in it? Uh, Har- Jack Harlow's in it. Jack Harlow is is one of the main guys in it. Yeah, he it, it's it save your money, save your time. Don't watch it. It's uh, it's a disgrace. He's not Woody Harrelson. He's not Woody Harrelson in it. He's the Woody Harrelson of the uh of the movie, but it's just it's just not. Nah, it's not. I can't watch it. It's it's not I can't good. Watch it. It's not any good. Uh, all right, so how can people get some information on your uh, basketball camps, for, um, for whether it's for their kids or for themselves? <laughs> yeah, go, go to our website um, or on Twitter, our, our, our handle on Twitter, South Alabama Basketball. Go to, our, go to the website on the main university, and it'll be, it'll be all over there. Um, hopefully, some, hopefully, you know, we've got the word around town pretty good. I know we've got quite a few sign-ups, but we, we would love to have – have you come to camp it's something that i i've always taken really serious i i love our camps our guys do a really good job you know i kind of let our players and our young staff run with it and um you'll get a lot better you'll have a lot of fun meet some new friends and um there's nothing like going to basketball camp when you're a kid i mean i still have memories from that when i was a child and i'm i'm 40 years old now um so 
come out and see us. We'll have a great time. Um, we would love to have, have anybody that's interested in coming and spending two or three days with us getting, re- getting better at basketball. Uh, I, I went ahead and put the information in our app at WNSP.com. By the way, I went to Tim Floyd's basketball camp when I was a kid at UNO. That shows you how old I am, Richie. Yeah, those days, man. You went. You probably played a lot of defense at that camp. There probably wasn't a lot of shooting. There was not as much shooting as my camp. They probably had you doing defensive slides and taking a bunch of charges and stuff. Tim Floyd is a is a hard nosed defensive ball coach. Well, I didn't want to brag or nothing, but uh, I'm like Bill Murray in Space Jam. No, I don't play defense. <laughs> All right. Did you hear the sonic boom last night? No, what is that? Apparently, there was a sonic boom uh, from the space capsule uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, hundreds of miles away, but people all over Mobile and Baldwin County heard it. What time was it? I have no idea. I didn't hear it. I was asleep. It was after 10 o'clock. No, I was actually still awake. It was after 10 o'clock. You know what's funny? I feel like I heard something. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just something outside. Yeah. That's why I asked you that. Yeah, that I was um I was laying it because I didn't I didn't have the TV on or anything, um and I heard it. Yeah, and Jess, I think Jess was was in the in another room taking a shower, and I was in because I was in there by myself. She wasn't in there yet, and I heard it. And I didn't think anything about it, but I, I guess that's what it might have been, man. Well, you never know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell her that she might be listening. I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna tell her that I I didn't want to you know when you tell when you tell your wife you think you especially my wife you think you heard something yeah then I'm gonna have to do I'm gonna have to do a full casing of our whole property to make sure it's not something that you know that's gonna cause any concern so I wasn't about to say hey I heard something because I didn't want to get out of bed and have to go around and do a full security detail it, so it, but I did hear a boom and yeah. I wonder if that was it. Uh, it could have been Al Pacino. I mean, you never know. Um, could have been, could have been him lurking around. Yeah, uh, I was thinking the same thing though. That you're sitting in bed. Uh, the defender of your household did absolutely nothing. So, uh, Jess, it's just a one-time thing. Don't worry. Uh, he's got you. He's got you. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't an alarming sound. It was just a. It was a sonic boom. We're going to go with that. We're going to run with that. It was a sonic boom. So there was no danger at hand. You know, I I didn't have to I didn't have to go full Walker Texas Ranger mode. There being danger, you know, I get into I get I get into that mode and get ready to go go do whatever I need to do. So we we were all good. It was just a sonic boom. Hey man, as always, enjoyed it. Uh, have a great week. We'll do it again soon. All right, guys. Enjoyed it. Later. That's uh, Richie Riley, ladies and gentlemen, South Alabama basketball coach. Short segment to wind things up here on another edition of the opening kickoff. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station. This is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. All right, it's 
857, wrapping up another edition of the opening kickoff. Uh, Lee Shervanian has uh, headed to the beach or the hot tub or SEC spring meetings, whichever one is calling his name. Uh, he will, We will be back tomorrow with, uh, I'm sure, all sorts of news and notes from, uh, from Destin. So uh, make sure you hang with us. A reminder, if you missed any of our show today, you can get us wherever you get your favorite podcast. WNSP Now. How about that? Uh, and you can play us back to your heart's delight. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. I could tell you who's on the show tomorrow, but I'd just be making it up. Lee will be with us. And really, that's all that matters. Maybe. Ooh, we'll have a different producer in. Nick, enjoy your time off. All right. Great stuff. The opening kickoff, that does it. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya!